0: First thing I guess to ask is for people who who don't know who B. Dave Walters is, what's like a, a quick catch them up.
1: Uh, hello, friends and time travelers who've arrived here from the year two thousand seven. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, hey, B. Dave Walters. I was the DM of the first. Uh, sh- D&D stream on television, which was Invitation to Party on G4 for the cast of Stranger Things on uh, Netflix, Geeked. Uh, Also, DM of the Black Dice Society. You can find me all over the place, wherever fine streaming content can be located for D&D or Vampire, basically. You'll find me there.
0: Awesome. Um, So something uh, I've been noticing that I personally need to do, I've been noticing that I need to take, you know, a lot more time for myself And I notice, you know, on Twitter, you post pictures of gym time and that type of stuff. How, with so many things that you have to do, do you find the time, you know, to take that time for yourself?
1: Uh, Well, there's one thing that uh, I'm, I'm very adamant about, that there's only one thing that the entire human race is equal in. And that is time. Uh, We all have 168 hours in a week. You, me, Oprah, Obama. uh, So there's time for everything if you manage it right. There may not be time for it in a day. Uh, There's definitely time, uh, even if there's not time for it in a week, over the course of like a month or so, there is. So it's just a question of prioritization. And I hear this all the time, people telling me like, oh, I don't have time. And I'm like, that's cool, that's cool. Anyway, how'd you like The Mandalorian? And they're like, Oh my god, I loved it. And I'm like, Oh, and The Last of Us has been dope, right? And they're like, It is incredible. And I'm like, Great, I just found like twenty-four hours for you right there. <laughs> so yeah. I mean the the time exists if you make it a priority. Um that's, that's 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 there's no way around it, unfortunately. And um but I think you'll find though, if um I think where the mistake people make is by trying to load themselves up with too much and then it gets overwhelming to even look at like if you're working full time and then you're trying to be a content creator that's a nights and weekends job if you have a relationship or if you have kids saying to yourself i'm also gonna find five hours a week to work out might seem overwhelming so that's not what you do instead you say hey right here during this time i'ma go for a walk around the block or right here at this time, I'm gonna do ten push-ups. Or every time, um, every time my dog barks, I'll do ten push-ups or something like you gamify it a little bit to to fit it in there. Um, but uh, the simple answer, unfortunately, is there is not a particularly easy way. It just can be done. It's just uh, try and make it as enticing and as fun seeming. Is possible, especially if it's a change that may not seem that pleasant. In that case, focus your mind on the reward and how how pleasant the reward's going to be.
0: I uh just got the year membership for twenty four hour fitness, mm. and I've been doing that, just jamming out time to do that. Yeah, oh,
1: well, I would say also not not to detour too super far over into fitness, because I'll ramble this whole time about that. Uh, The most important thing with that stuff, especially if you're short on time, is to have a plan to know exactly what you're going to do when you walk in the place. So you're on a mission and you don't have to walk in and kind of look at all the equipment and figure out what to do where you're like, nah, it's leg day. I got to go over here. I'm doing, um, you know four sets of five on the leg extensions with 165 pounds. And then it becomes a checklist. And as you're marking off the checklist, it's a greater and greater uh, sense of accomplishment. It also will make sure that you're making progress in the right direction, because it is very, very, very easy to spin your wheels in the gym and not actually accomplish anything. Just like in life, to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I I have definitely gone there and just looked at things and then, you know, found a couple of things to do and then left and had been there for like an hour and like accomplished really not very much. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep.
1: Everybody does for the record. That's, that's, that's,
0: that's not weird for you. (laughs) So I guess going over to, uh, TTRPG stuff. Um, I have recently noticed that I am very fond of player focused games, Mm uh, where do you find yourself on that spectrum are you, do you lean more narrative driven or more player focused
1: uh you know i've been playing this game for a long time for about over 30 years now and the biggest evolution has gone from the game used to be pvp it used to be the dungeon master versus the players. The dungeon master was actively trying to kill you. And the players were actively trying to survive and it has evolved into a cooperative storytelling game, uh, which is a far, far, far superior expression of it, uh, at the end of the day, yes, the dungeon master needs to be enjoying themselves, but if you have a story that you want to dictate, you shouldn't be DMing, you should be writing a novel. It's a story that you're telling together. You set the scene, you set the sandbox and the stakes, and you react and you yes and uh, to everybody else as they're coming uh, coming along with you on this adventure. But it's a story that you're telling together, so it it is more about the players for certain, more
0: about the players. So we recently did Brindlewood Bay on an episode, which is a a a great TGRPG, and. A lot of the places in there, they prompt you to ask the players what they see in the room instead of like you describing the room to them. Mm -hmm. uh, You prompt them to say, what do you what do you see in here? And like you give them the, you know, context that they're going to be looking at this thing. in. but it was so much fun to work with, like, here's what they see in there. And like uh, at some point they added a bar in there and at no point in time did a bar ever get mentioned and that became a big part of like what they were trying to find out and figure out and i i think for me like having those moments where the players are doing things is makes the game more fun for me than well, does leading i guess that makes yeah, sense
1: it in, well it increases it increases their engagement it makes uh it, it it stops people from zoning out first and foremost and two, it makes them feel like they have a vested interest in it um i will do that all the time uh you just say things like you open the door and inside it's terrible you tell me what it looks like or when they crit you tell me what it looks like or when they miss like if they roll a one that takes some of the sting off but you 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 tell me what it looks like i probably say those words more than anything else over the course of a uh, running a session because again that's when you get into it being a a tapestry that you're weaving together
0: another thing for me is uh, the fear of the mind is a is a thing i always do i Mm -hmm. never never do the maps and grids thing Mm -hmm. uh it does something to my brain i guess Uh, Mm -hmm. like it puts everything there and then i i feel like trapped in that box how i guess would you uh make that better what would you do to help that problem
1: oh I don't know that it's a problem you know uh, uh, minis and in tiles and terrain are, are not my jam either um, I know some people that just love it uh, for me that is is similarly to what you were just saying that is a different expression of the game it is a valid expression of the game but it is a different expression of the game because if I'm describing the creepy pirate ship and i'm doing a a good job of that what everybody in the table is going to see is going to be slightly different but they're going to see their creepy pirate ship when you take the time to build it and have it there, it's like, no, it's that creepy pirate ship. It's that and that alone, um, which is fine, because sometimes you can create something cooler than a person would have imagined. There's also people that have uh, aphantasia. They have no inner eye, so it is difficult for them to imagine things. And so having the uh, tactile elements helps a lot. You still can have surprising elements of things like that. Like I just did a a, uh, stream not too long ago with Dwarven Forge, which is some good friends of mine, and they make really just top flight terrain and they had a whole town. And one of the things that I was saying is that you don't necessarily have to define what's in every building. You still can scratch that itch of when you get to this building, when you open the door, you tell me what's inside and you still can have that. You don't necessarily have to have gone through and built every single thing because it does drive up your cost, drives up your prep time. You need more space. But if that's something that you enjoy, that's cool. You know, if you enjoy measuring out five feet of movement and, um, uh, you know, flanking and, 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 all of that other business, then, uh, minis in terrain are probably the thing for you, but I, I have definitely have nothing against, um, doing it that way it is just uh i would argue much easier to do it theater of the mind and that's part of the reason why i think you see the overwhelming um majority of streams are theater of the mind i feel the same way about virtual tabletops too i don't think i don't think vtt's add anything at all to streaming <laughs> but that's also just my opinion
0: we've been doing uh blades in the dark using one more multiverse mm. and i mostly got it because it it has all the stuff for the, for the rolling of the dice there, but the players have so much fun. Cause there's like the little eight bit character that you get to run around the map with. Yeah. And uh, so most of the time I just put it on the like central map and they just run around and not really have anything to do <laughs> with what, what we're doing in the game, just so they have that fun. Like, you know, I can run around the board thing. Uh, and then all the dice and stuff are right there for them to roll. So they have access to that so they don't have to figure out everything.
1: I mean, it's uh, again, that's that's, a, that's a, a, a different expression of the game, but a completely valid expression of the game. You know, um, if that's what the people want to do, if they can sit down and have an enjoyable session and laugh and tell a story with their friends and when they get done are going to be looking forward to doing it again, uh, then it's a success.
0: That I guess brings me around to the idea of digital dice versus physical dice mm-hmm. when I first started playing the game, which is not that long ago um mm-hmm. uh, twenty fourteen actual dice was like the biggest thing for me, like I needed all the dice, yep, I had to have them all, but now that I've been you know recording and doing like the podcast, I've shifted to just completely digital dice, and I just feel like it's so much handier to just have it all right there on the screen? Uh, I prefer physical
1: dice. I'm not gonna bust out anybody, but there's some digital dice rollers that I have very, very, very real concerns about that they are not random. Um, I mean, arguably nothing's truly random, but uh, that it's difficult. What I find is I end up using a mix of both. If I'm just rolling D20 or rolling four dice or less, I'll roll it in my dice box. If I have a big dice pool, uh, like, uh, you know, pallet and smites and crits and all that business, especially cause I do a lot of high level stuff, then I'll use the dice roller on D and D beyond. So, but, um, if, if I, if I could only go to an, a, a deserted Island with one that somehow has electricity, don't ask me why I don't make the rules. Uh, I would definitely take physical dice though.
0: Do you prefer the one shots or are you a fan of the bigger things?
1: In a perfect world, Um, and when, when I've had my way with things on longer term projects, I like, um, ongoing streams. So stories that have little to no break, I mean, you know, you break during Christmas or whatever, but for the most part you keep going, but every three or four episodes, you change up the story. So there's an easy point of access. So for a new person to join. Uh, mostly when I do one shots, that's for charity in charity, one shots, people could donate, they can change the stakes of the game. They can change what happens and things kind of go off the rails very quickly. So it is only you're telling a story in the strictest technical sense, um, with those things, because you're like, all right, you're in a town and somebody just donated the Tiamat's here. Great. Okay. All right. Tiamat's here now, <laughs> yeah. you just have to go where it goes. Um, I think logistically for a lot of people it's harder to get together consistently so it's harder to tell a longer term story but I think uh, probably a two or three shot is kind of a sweet spot to be able to get across um, a a meaningful story with a compelling beginning middle and end and having learned something about the characters along the way.
0: For the podcast the most that (laughs) we've gotten is the Blades in the Dark and we're four episodes in we did a we did a create characters and then we've played three sessions since then i think we're very close to wrapping that up and yeah i I do think that like i do like the like longer long long term campaign things but i feel like right there in like the for me it's like six to eight is like a really comfortable like i've gotten everything i want to do done here and we can continue that story like in a different, in a different game. But I think like in the six to eight, I like, that's my space. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, something that is a a challenge that literally everybody who streams is, is has to answer for themselves is you need enough content to build a fan base, to build a following, but not so much content that it's prohibitive. Cause if you're in episode 200 or so of something, there's nowhere for a new person to come in. Um, And the effort required to get up to speed looks to be overwhelming. Um, That's why a lot of shows, even long running shows, you'll see will restart the campaign on occasion. And that's why. Um, Part of it is you've told all the stories you have to tell, but I mean, hey, we've been telling stories about Superman and Spider-Man for 60, 60 plus years um it's more about uh, easy access to the people so if you're feeling like you've done if you've said what you have to say in six to eight you absolutely should wrap it up because one thing you don't ever want is for things to just drag on
0: so do you prefer playing in the game or running the game
1: you know people every time they ask me this i used to say um that I, I I like them equally because I too enjoy both, but I realized something when given the option to play or run the game, I choose to run the game 100% of the time I have never opted to play when I could run a game. So uh, I guess I like running them at least a little more. Because a lot of times, even when I'm playing, I'm still trying to uh, figure out what the storyteller is doing, trying to figure out how to how to help them to make sure that we're all rowing in the same direction type thing so even when i'm playing i'm still thinking
0: like a storyteller. <laughs> that was something uh me and steph the other person who's constant on on the podcast were are talking about when we we both ran a one shot the same one shot but we both ran it differently and uh so we we did a behind the scenes type of thing where we talked about the differences between running it and that was something Steph was telling me was like, it felt like I was there helping push the narrative in the direction the whole time. And that it was it was cool to have someone like in your corner. For me, running the game is 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 the thing I enjoy doing. I like making weird, quirky characters and playing them, but I I I like running the game more. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be heading to D and
1: D in a castle this weekend. And, uh, last time I ran three sessions in a row and I ran the same story all three times, but it was vastly different where they went, what they did, how it ended. It's just the inciting incident was the same. And then, uh, they couldn't have arrived in more unique spaces. So it's, um, it is always interesting seeing how somebody else is going to, their take on something is going to go.
0: What is your favorite character that you've ever played? Uh, You know, I realize um,
1: fairly early on, and I I point this out to people, your first few characters are you. Like your first character is probably your idealized self, but your, your first few, if you go back and you look at them, there's a certain through line in who they are and what they're like, because that's you. So I started early trying to make characters, um, the opposite of what I've done before. Like the first one I played on a major stream was a uh, Chateau on we're alive frontier who was, um, the, the, he was the leader of an unruly band of misfits, uh, that didn't really listen to, to their detriment, to everyone's detriment. Uh, and he was kind of this intense, stressed out guy. So then when I got to play Baron Victor temple on, vampire the masquerade uh, la by night originally he wasn't even going to be a baron i i intended him to be having a lot a good time i asked myself what kind of vampire would I actually really enjoy being a vampire and i was like a nightclub promoter and that's where that came from but then he ended up becoming the leader of an unruly band of misfits that didn't listen to their detriment So then Freely came along, which was my character, my D and D character that I played for years. He just got married and retired recently, uh, who was my lucky boy, who again was just going to be this happy, go lucky character, but he still ended up a charisma character in a face. A lot of the times, although I very much leaned very hard into his eight intelligence and just kind of made him just nothing but a sweet bean. So, um, I realized those were all aspects of myself that were manifesting. It was those three that helped me see it. And that was what kind of freed me up to do like completely different things. But I think if I had to pick one, uh, it would be Victor. Because I I loved Vampire the Masquerade so much during my formative years in, in high school and college. And getting to add something to that continuity. That was the first character I have that I, people got tattoos of, which is wild to me. <laughs> so it's pretty guess, cool yeah that's uh yeah that 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 would be if i had if i was forced to pick one it'd be the baron although freely was the first character I ever got in a video game i'm still gonna stick with victor
0: my favorite character is my second character also <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh is rutherford um they were a gnome wizard uh in, we played 3.5 and I took all of the spells that like added to your strength or your speed or, and I punched things. <laughs> <laughs> and, Muscle wizard. Yeah. And uh, recently um, the person who ran the game uh, told me they're writing a uh, like novel version of, of what's happened in the future of this game. And uh, nice. my character is has completed his goal Uh, which was to beat the god of strength and become (laughs) the god of strength. Uh, So Rutherford is a god of strength. And I just always thought, oh, that's so awesome. And and I think for me, that character said, I'm free to like, do whatever now. Whereas like, initially, I felt like, oh, I got to figure out the rules and figure out what's going on and how to play the game and then once i had the game down i was like can i switch my character and they said yes and yeah that that was just like what does something with the rules that's fun and enjoyable that i would like uh yeah
1: you know that's also something that i think um a lot of uh storytellers should do especially with new characters but even if they're or even if or new players rather but even if they're not new players Um, new campaigns if somebody has a character that they created and they're finding out that it doesn't quite fit or wasn't quite what they expected and they don't like it uh let them change the character it's fine you know like you can try and work some reason into the narrative why the warlock is suddenly a ranger um yeah let people have that because again the most important thing is everybody having a good time
0: i guess shifting shifting gears a little bit what do you think the next big thing for the ttrpg hobby is uh
1: you know i had a uh if you'd asked me this before the ogl kerfluffle i would have had a very different answer um i think it is you know I, I i debate this with a lot of people because there's there's some people in this space very intelligent accomplished people that, that have some data to back up what they're saying that believe all of the people who are going to watch streaming are currently watching streaming like the 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 acquisition audience has already been reached i don't think that at all i mean the the vast majority you you, look what's the biggest show in the space critical role millions of people have watched critical role but the majority of people have never heard of that show ever the numbers critical role does would get the worst would get any network television show canceled 100 percent of things pull more numbers than that so i think more and more people are just going to find out about it um and that rising tide lifts all boats i mean i'm glad to see so much great new content coming out that can go out in uh reach more people, especially as D and D becomes more and more mainstream. Uh they kind of shot themselves in a foot recently and, and killed a lot of that momentum, but I don't think they stopped it completely. Especially if the movie's any good. If the movie's any good, at some point Stranger Things will come back. If Stranger Things talks about D and D anymore at all, that'll help. And just more and more people will make their way into the pastime. And uh that's good for everybody. That's what I think's gonna happen.
0: I I'm much the same on that are there any people you look forward to seeing more of in like the newer creator people that you're seeing um
1: i mean i uh i'm fortunate in the sense that i get to pretty much work with whoever i want to work with (laughs) i mean within reason uh i try to pay attention to who is on the way up Uh, who's already there but also who just needs their opportunity who just needs to to a shot to get in front of people and have a chance to shine so i won't bust anybody out uh in particular but uh, i'm always i'm always working to 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 help some people get to the next level sometimes i do it very publicly sometimes i just do it quietly behind the scenes i would but I, i would be remiss if i didn't i have to give a shout out to at least one person uh my homie is friday friday uh, everybody, I think, I think her Twitter is, is, it's either is Friday or is Friday TV. Hang on. Let me, let me look real quick. Um, everybody should follow Friday. It's, uh, yeah, is Friday TV. Toss her follow.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I watched, uh, I watched that stream. That was good. That was great. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Great content. So, uh, you're a, a big advocate for representation in media mm-hmm. in the TTRPG space. What what i guess can people do to help that along uh two things
1: uh first thing is you vote with your wallet you know um support creators that are doing things that are pushing into that space um like coyote and crow like our game um into the motherlands um uh sienna una which i think i just mispronounced i apologize um, and anybody that is trying to do things, um, to increase the diversity of the space. The second thing is look at stuff that you're making. And as you look around the table, if everyone looks the same, um, that's probably bad. You know, um, the, you, you, there's always rooms to mix it up and include some, some different perspectives, uh, some different genders, different uh, religious orientations, different sexual orientations, um, you know, d- just to, to bring different points of view in, into a thing. Um, and I think that's important. Um, and that's always going to be important because that's the way the world looks. And then the third thing I would say is in your storytelling, pay attention to that sort of thing especially if you're unconsciously falling back on old tropes, like having slavers or having the elves be the wisest and most beautiful. And of course the fairest of them all in having the dark skinned brutes, uh, you know, that are the, the orcs and the goblins and are all stupid and bad, you know, and making sure that you consciously kind of uproot some of those things that have been stilled in all of us over time.
0: What have been some of your Favorite collaborations, people you've worked with, and done things with. Oh, wow!
1: Um, all of them. I, I think he, here's here's the the thing that you can always look for. Anybody you see me work with twice, you know. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 the. I think um, we're Alive frontier, which is season one and season two are both still up on on YouTube. That that story holds a very special place in my heart because it was my first major stream. Um, but we did such like, uh, ambitious things like breakaway sets. Like it was a zombie horror survival show and there's things like people were attacking and like axes were coming through the walls when we were like sitting at the table, trying to play and stuff like that. So that was really neat and really immersive. Uh, and I really loved that for, um, a lot of reasons. I love that character and and I love the, the story we got to tell the season finale of the first season of we're alive frontier. I do something that is akin to hitting a hole in one and capturing it on camera. Like I did something in front of everybody, a, a role that was so incredibly improbable that I don't, I don't want to ruin the story for anybody, um, that has still stood out. And I'll remember that happening 50 years from now. Um, and, and then, uh, getting to work with Jason Carl on vampire, the masquerade, the first stream I ever did was, um, a charity game in December 2017, which was a vampire one shot, which was my first time playing on stream ever and his first time running a game on stream ever. And I remember we went out and uh, had lunch a couple of days later and we were just talking about the world of darkness and what would have happened with the different tri- um, clans of vampires, because, uh, V five was still an alpha at that point. What would have happened with the different tribes of werewolves? And it was just amazing to even get to give my point of view and insight into what the world of darkness would have evolved into, and then to get to add some links to that chain of continuity that actually are permanent. Um, yeah. Corner case was getting to write the comic book I did Dungeons and Dragons: A Darkened Wish, where I actually got to add some things to the continuity of D and D, and add something to this world that I have loved so much and has brought me so much joy. So, yeah, in any, any, or all of those things,
0: you said you were doing D and D in a castle. Yep. Are there any other upcoming things to look out for? I expect be excited for. <laughs> uh, right now,
1: we have. Um, uh Idol Champions presents Fury of the Black Rose which is the 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 cast, uh, some of the cast of High Rollers and some of the cast of Oxventure and an original character from, from Gabe Hicks, actually, uh, Mark Hulmes, who is the DM for High Rollers is still made an original character. Um, we're only two episodes into that. So there's still plenty of time to catch up on the idle champions or, uh, twitch.tv forward slash CnE games rather. And you also can vote weekly to influence the outcome of that. So votes are going on now. Um, there's that um more live events this year i can't say anything just yet i can't give away too much uh and uh more more, i mean just ndas are flashing in front of my mind i'm like nda nda (laughs) nda more live events and more streams though more 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 more
0: i struggle a whole lot with pacing when i'm running the game (laughs) what tips do you have regarding pacing um you know when i um when i
1: come together to uh to to write a story I'm very very clear on how I want the story to start I'll usually write out the intro I have an idea where it needs to be roughly by the half and an idea of where I want it to finish but I never um I never planned the second half of the adventure because both the Dyson players will surprise and betray you. And I want to have room for it to go the way that it wants to go. All things being equal, you should cut a scene off a little bit early rather than have it go too long. Like if you have a scene where there's one more thing that they would say, that's when you should stop it. If you get to the point that you're like, yeah, 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 well, you've gone too far. <laughs> you know? yeah. um same thing with the 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 monsters uh you know they can they can have a cool monologue the characters can have kind of a cool um uh retort to that and then it's time to roll initiative i will also say i think a lot of times um people lose track of the fact that um talking is a free action you know have have anything that is intelligent and have language have it Interact with them, have it interact with them all through combat, have your monsters talk trash, especially if your players fail something, if they fail an attack or the monster makes the save or something like that, have the monsters talk a lot of trash to them. That drives up the stakes so quickly. You will get so much hatred in your player's heart for like a white or something just by doing that small thing. Um, All of those things that kind of increase engagement all along the way help the game feel like it's going faster. and. More than that, you know, the, the monster's got as many hit points as you need it to have. If the fight's going on too long, um, it can die. If the fight is going too quickly, it can live. It can have allies show up. Uh, It can run. Uh There's a hundred ways to do things to kind of expand or contract to make it go the way that you need to go.
0: Speaking of the enemies talking, one of my favorite moments in one of the episodes we did was they were fighting like a goblin boss. And... uh the goblin boss was talking to them the whole time. Steph said their character rented the same spell book that the goblin boss had from the library. <laughs> and uh, so then they had the, like, discussion of all the different pages and everything and, like, where cool spells are. And they looked at the bookmark, and it, it made the fight so much more fun and, like, uh, immersive, like you were saying. Yeah, And I I really do look for those moments to just fall into that and say, Oh, this is something you're having fun with. And then I don't know how we can do it. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, obviously there's a,
1: there's a different standard to, um, a home game than a stream. Um, a sort of, um, I, I would argue That even in a home game, you should always have something that you're trying to accomplish. You should have a plan and a point. Uh, People talk so much about joking about... um you know, how hard it is to keep a group together and scheduling conflicts and all of that. And some stuff happens sometimes, but if you're having trouble getting people to show up for your games, that is a symptom of they're not getting anything of value at your games. When I was running my Patreon games, I had people getting up at two, three, four in the morning where they were to play with us, spending their birthdays with us. Like they would move heaven and earth to be there for those games because they were getting something that was of value. So Still take people's time seriously, but if you're streaming and you've only got you know six episodes, you've only got two hours or whatever, you really can't afford an entire shopping episode. You can have a shopping scene, uh, but if you're playing at home and they're really having a great time uh, following the Easter egg of this Goblin spell book, it's like well okay, you know, like let, let let's see where this goes. But again, you still should always. um pull it up when they when they would want a little more never let it just kind of drain out to its conclusion yeah
0: i think that's all the questions i got um yeah that, that is all the questions i have uh, hmm.
1: yeah uh i i would just say uh more than anything for for people listening it's uh like i said i i i, I Go back to what I said right at the very beginning. The most important thing is that everybody's having a good time. Uh, even if you're streaming, If just make sure the players are having a good time. If the players are having a good time, the audience is having a good time. Uh, everything else will fall into place. And don't um, stress or agonize too much about the rules, about believing that you have to know every single thing. Like I said, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I still will double-check things before I make a ruling on something because I got four or five versions of this game floating around in my head and hey if you make a mistake feel free to be like hey last time you cast that spell i know it said it worked this way i checked i was actually wrong it actually works that way and uh the rule of cool above all else you know if something seems dope let people do it and use as flavorful descriptions as you possibly can for things because the game very quickly becomes hit miss hit miss hit miss unless you make it something else
0: I guess the last thing would be, where do people find you more stuff from you? Um,
1: you can find me anywhere, wherever fine streaming content can be located, but on all the social media platforms, I'm B Dave Walters everywhere. And Twitter is the most active place. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that my girls are selling Girl Scout cookies. Uh, so there's a link, uh, pinned to the top of my profile, B Dave Walters where you can get those. Also, I have, um, three uh, tutorial programs that I've put out 14 day DM, 14 day player, uh, both where I will teach you high level skills so that you can, uh, either go pro at this, if that is your intent or just shocking all the people at your table and also 14 day writer, which will help you learn uh, how to write screenplays, novels, comic books, anything that you want to do. And will cut about five years off your journey to becoming a professional storyteller. Uh, those are up on my Twitter also, although I guess the girls, the girl scout cookie thing is pinned right now but if you come to twitter and you type in B. Dave walters in 14 day you will find a link to all of those things thank you
0: so much i appreciate it thank you for having me and may all your hits be crits y'all